Hello and welcome back to Restricted View Podcast. As always, I'm Chris. And I am Deborah. And once, as always, we have another episode for you with a news, a tip, a review, and discussion point, which will also kind of sneak a review in, sort of, yeah, as well. Yeah, just, just so we don't do two reviews in a row. Yeah, well, we're running, we're seeing too many shows now. Yeah, is that problem. is not that's not a problem actually. We, we, that's a good thing. We've we've gone from not having any shows to review to having too many to review. So we're going to try and uh, catch up by doing a bit of a cheat, as best we can. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think uh, very short and sweet introduction. We have a lot to get through, so I think we're going to crack straight on into the news. So uh, this week's news is not actually related to the West End yet, as far as we are aware. Uh, And it's about Harry Potter and the Cursed Child on Broadway, which uh, some of you may know is actually, uh, it was originally written as a two-part show. So you go and see the show in the afternoon and then you go and see the show in the evening or you go and see the show in two separate days. But it's essentially, I think, a five-hour long show. Um, And on Broadway now, it's being condensed into one show. Like, we're not quite sure of (laughs) the reason. Of, of why they're doing this, but um, that's it. And I kind of wanted to talk about it a little bit. Yeah, and there's a great fear that therefore that it might it might come to the West End as well. As far as I know, the West End show. I actually know somebody who's had tickets to see the Chris Child in the West End, probably for the bones of a year and a half at this oh, point. Wow. It keeps getting put off, um, and they're now seeing it in December of this year um, is when the next date they've been given. Um, so it seems that the Chris Child is returning to the West End as normal the as, news item does specifically mention broadway yes as of uh, as of the recording time of this podcast when you're listening to it uh, it's probably going to be the same because we're just recording and you'll be listening to it tomorrow but um as of now the, the it is selling in the west end for two separate shows yeah yeah so i actually and, checked and, I, and, I, and, I, and I, I know people who have tickets for yeah. two shows so um this is something that actually surprised me quite a bit because it it they made such a big fuss out of it going to broadway uh, well, originally they made a big fuss saying it would never, ever go anywhere but the West End. Well, that is <laughs> ridiculous to begin I with. I never believed it yeah, to start with. ridiculous so. and also quite... Isn't, isn't there a tour as well? Is there I'm, UK... I'm not sure. No, no I don't I think, think there's a tour in production. So it hasn't reopened uh, yet in the West End, uh, you know, because of because of COVID and everything. And it hasn't reopened on Broadway yet, but we now know it's reopening as a one, one single show. Uh, and I have a lot of questions <laughs> about all the things they're going to cut. Because... I have seen the show a few times. I really like it. I think it's a very, very well put together play. Uh, yes, there are plot holes, but if you read Harry Potter and you like Harry Potter, you know that Harry, Harry Potter there are plot itself, holes. Yeah, Harry yeah. Potter itself has plot holes. So, uh, so I, I don't know exactly how they're going to do it. I think my fear is I don't think I'll ever, I'll ever actually see it on Broadway because I've seen it a few times in the West End. But my fear would be that they will cut all the things that make it quite magical. If I was in, if we were in New York. And we had time to do so. I would be interested. And obviously, if we had other shows to see that we that we could that we could, I wouldn't prioritize it. But if the opportunity came up to pop in to see the one act version, I would actually be quite interested to see it. Yes, uh, they're working I want to with know, Jack Thorne and all the original people who worked on the script. So gonna, just... I don't see how it's going to work. They're try, they're trying to they're basically trying. I mean, presumably, like you said, the, the two acts. It's about a five, roughly a five hour show now. They're about two and a half yeah. hours each. Presumably, they're going to the first. Isn't they're, they're not. Presumably the one act, the one play version is not going to be two and a half hours. Presumably going to, it's going to be quite a long play, three, maybe even three and a half hours. But three and a half hours, and they couldn't go much longer than that. They really no, couldn't. No, you really can't, especially if you're aiming at children. Because that's what an hour and 
a quarter, maybe per half, and then no, what am I talking about? It's like you have, even you have more to, than that. It's an hour, you have to go an hour and a half, per, hour, hour and forty minutes per half in a twenty minute interval. That is long. I mean, that's that's very long. I mean, I suppose you could do two intervals. I don't know, but like even like three and a half hours is probably ambitious. That's the longest I could possibly see it being. Um, and 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 um, even then, that, that's that's what that's two hours of content you've got to cut. Yeah, and I, I mean, I know there are. I'm sure there are things that can be cut. That's that's not that's not, not I don't doubt that. However, I do think that there are things that could be seen as unnecessary that I actually think are very good for the uh, the overall sense of magic that you get when you I are wonder there. if they're going to cut some of the stuff that people kind of didn't like like um I don't want to spoil anything but certain things that certain characters do and say which were deemed by the Harry Potter fan base to be out of character whatever that means they might they might <laughs> cut it but uh, yeah um, as, as someone I, I when I saw the news I actually read some of the comments online I know dangerous stuff mm-hmm. but um, and some people were actually saying oh what a shame because part of it was the whole experience the whole of day, going the whole day. The, it's a day yeah, out yeah, yeah. you go you see part one you go for a meal mm-hmm. you go and see part two you yeah, know it's, it's a, a whole thing it's a whole thing and, I, and they I also have some su- they also have some surprises for you like not surprises but not, not but when there's there's a, there's a how do you put it without spoiling it there's um there's the, the decor of the th- the theater changes a little yeah, bit there, yeah there there'd be a reason that there, there's that you'd definitely lose a specific kind of unique thing if you yeah. condensed it into I suppose maybe they could do it in the hat in the during the interval they, yeah probably that's probably that's probably what they will do actually but yeah. still it's a it's it's still uh, I don't know I I I, I I would be curious to see what they do. I actually might have to take a look at the script once they once they release the yeah, and the, cli- the cliffhanger. There's a cliffhanger ending of the first play, yes. which, which I'm assuming, like I said, I assume they'll do in the first end of the first act, and it will still work as a cliffhanger. But there's something about it being the end of the play that really makes it a bit more special. I quite like the fact that there's no curtain call or anything after the first one. It's just yeah. that cliffhanger. It's just like you know, That's lights it. out, Done. and now and now you have to wait. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I think I think. Look, it's, it's, unpre- it's unprecedented. It's I very wonder, strange. Yeah, I wonder what they're doing it because I, for COVID reasons and for, for safety reasons, I I do not understand because you'll have the same group of people coming to the theater twice, so that does not make sense to me. I, mean, I would have said, yeah, I would have said, is it? It's like, quite the opposite, actually, because you, you're going to have two different sets of people coming to the theater now on the same day. I would have hypothesized maybe it's um, it's because it's not as popular in America or something, but Harry Potter is popular everywhere. Yeah, I don't, I don't think know. I don't think Harry Potter is any more popular in Britain than it is in 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 the U- in the US, is it? I uh, I think everywhere. it might be more popular here, but then more people possibly go to New York. I don't know. It seems very and it's still odd. popular it's, 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 it's despite like J.K. Rowling. You know, I mean, so. I don't get me wrong. It's it's a big faff having two plays. Sure. Um, it's a big. I'm sure it's a, it's a logistic. It's an ongoing logistical nightmare. I assume for the production company, but. So maybe they just don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> but then, but that's a, it's a big step to go back to the you know the writers and be like, hey, can you condense this into one play for us? Like, I, I don't know. It's, it seems very. It's a very strange thing to do. And I don't. And ultimately, I don't think it's going to work. I think the play is going to massively suffer for it. I think so too. And it's it's very strange because I was now thinking. I was uh, listening to you, and I was just thinking. I think I would have. I'm more surprised by them condensing the play than I would have been by them saying oh we're actually closing just it closing it, yeah. Broadway, yeah. we're just closing it because it's so surprising to do this I don't know it's very yeah. very strange um, but I don't know once you go see if anyone uh, anyone listening eventually go see it let us know because yeah. I'll be curious to know what it's like especially right. if you've seen the two part version 
Because if you I'm... haven't, I guess you're going to have to come to London to see it now. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, maybe if you haven't, it's better because then that's the only thing you know, right? So it's not you can't really compare it to the two part because that's what you, that's what you have. But if you have seen the two part, then 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 you, then it's fine. You've you've seen it. You won't feel like you're missing out when you see the yeah when you see the, the condensed experience. But what I'm saying is, if someone if someone if someone hasn't seen the two parter and wants to, now you gotta come to London. Yeah. <laughs> well, were... I think I think in other places there might still be two parts. I think in Australia it's open as well. Yeah, and... that's what I was curious about. I know it's open in a few other places. Yeah. Why well, is, is it only New York? Only on Broadway, as far as we know. Do New Yorkers have short attention spans and can't deal with two shows? People <laughs> have too much to do. They're too busy. They have they, they have to go see a show and then go somewhere else. Go then go Central Park and get their coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, let us know what you think about it. Um, I personally am quite disappointed. Yeah, I think it's a shame. I think it's a bit sad. But as long as the London one, I guess, for us, continues the same, I think it doesn't <laughs> we, we doesn't affect us as much. But I would love to hear uh, what you think of this news. So on to our From the Cheap Seat section, which, as promised, is going to feature a review. This is a review of a show we saw uh, three days ago. I think now uh, during our double our double feature show uh, we went to see two shows in a day this is one of them we saw the matinee performance of Happy Days by Samuel Beckett at the Riverside Studios in Studio 2 I believe not that, that matters two, yep. um, so yeah uh, before we forget I'm just going to say that uh, Happy Days is booking until the 25th of July and it says it must end so I don't think it's going to extend must end must end 25th so this is, this is a 60th anniversary production uh-huh. which was actually originally staged what a couple of years ago I believe so yes uh, and Lisa Dawn plays Winnie and Simon Wolf plays Willie and it's directed by Trevor Nunn yes Trevor Nunn who I I associate with actually with Angela Weber quite a lot um, I know he, he directed Cats he directed The Woman in White which um, not really, not that many people saw. <laughs> um, we saw it, but not that one probably. Not the one he. Did. No, 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 not that yeah. one. No, no. Um, he's done all sorts of things. Um, yeah, he's done. Uh, he started Express. He did. Yeah, yeah that, this is why I saw him with Andrew Weber. But he's done a lot of other stuff as well. A lot of plays, um, which I'm now looking up because I don't know the plays he's done. Apparently, he did a production of Cyrano de Bergerac. Um, oh, he's done He's done Noises yeah. Off. Um, so yeah, I associate him with Andrew Weber, but he's actually much more prolific than that. Um, He's a very good director. Yes, well. and um, so this was a, a a very striking production. I think first impressions were striking stage. Yeah, the set um, was really good. I mean, it's always going to be striking because that's all because it's always depicted. It's about so Happy Days is a about isn't it even about it's it features a woman named Winnie who is buried in dirt or earth up to her waist. And she goes through her routine, which is a very mundane thing. She brushes her teeth, she combs her hair, she puts she puts, puts lipstick on, she puts makeup on. But you know, she 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 basically takes care of herself. Yeah. She can't. You know, she, she thinks, does her nails. She, she, she well. thinks. She yeah. thinks about things. She thinks out loud. She talks to her husband. So she her, her husband um, lives in a hole, but he he's able to come in out and uh, in and out of the hole. The hole itself is off stage behind the dirt, and Willie is mostly out of view, but occasionally the back of his head comes up into view while he reads yeah. a newspaper. Um, and, and she, she can barely look at, look at him as yeah, well she because can't turn. he is behind her, and she was obviously buried. Yeah. Um, but she can turn her neck. She can see him yes. at, at that point um, by turning. Um, yeah, and then her entire day is basically, yeah, the bell wakes her up at the start, and she's just, and the bell puts her to sleep at night, basically, and she. 
she just yeah she Willie doesn't really talk much she has very few lines of dialogue and he, he speaks in very simple monotonous um either one word or monotonous sentences and sometimes repeating what she asks him to say yeah uh, he doesn't say much. She kind of yeah. just chatterboxes along, and she kind of narrates her her day. Mm-hmm. But obviously, she, her day is very limited because she is she she goes through the contents of her handbag, and uh, she sets them out, and then she puts them back at the end of the day. But she also makes a remark about how they always end up in the bag, even if she doesn't put them back in herself. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's basically it. And then the second act, she's buried up to her neck now, mm-hmm. so she can't see Willie at all. Um, and, and she and can't really go through the motions of her day because obviously exactly. the bag is there, but she can't she can't use her hands. She can't pray. That's one of the things she kind of yeah. Talk she about. Pray, she, she used to pray in the things. morning, so she kind of just goes. So now she's just kind of going through essentially a stream of consciousness every day from Belle, which she, which she was before, but she had some help from objects around her, and now she doesn't. Yeah, and the first thing you see, so obviously when the stage oh, when the when the lights went down, I didn't even notice the curtains whip back. Mm-hmm. Presumably they did. And then the lights came up and we were looking at this very barren, dry earthed, horrible landscape with um, the background kind of the background of the horizon. This is kind of like a, the background basically was made to look like a kind of the, yeah, the, the, a, a gray, a kind of a brown sky meeting a brown landscape mm-hmm. kind of going back forever yeah. to give this kind of impression of um, just, yeah, just, just a never ending wasteland essentially. Um, and yeah, it's, and it was also it was incredibly it was like ultra widescreen. It was the aspect ratio of the stage was really so the stage was very high, so everyone could see perfectly, even though there's no tearing, no raking, nothing like yeah, that. Yeah, we were at the very back. Uh, yeah, we had the cheaper the seats, uh, so that's a tip as well. So you can you can get the cheaper seats. Yeah, you can uh, see from absolutely um, anywhere because the, way, cause the least, way it's done. Yeah, at least with this production, I had actually looked at photos of previous productions. It doesn't look like the stages. Uh, is uh, raised at all for some production, so this is this right, particular yeah, yeah. one raised. But the this stage. one was, and it's, yeah. and it's so the stage was. I mean, it was only about two and a half, maybe two two and a half meters tall. Yeah. Um, but then it was like incredibly wide, so it was almost like it looking like like an ultra wide cinema screen. Yeah. Um. So you suddenly had this absolutely br- incredibly bright landscape with a woman buried. It was incredibly striking first image. Like yes. I said, it's all that's always going to be the first image you get. But this particular set design was very well done. Yes, it was very good. Um, and I think the thing that uh, that strikes me the most about this particular production, so I haven't I haven't really seen a lot of Beckett. I don't know much about Beckett at all. Um, but the thing that strikes me a lot about this play is that it was first performed in 1961. So that's a long time in the past. I cannot do maths, but it's before about, before what? the Happy Days uh, TV show, by the way, about sixty years ago. Sixty years ago, yeah, sixty years, yes, because you said it's anniversary, isn't it? it was, yeah, um, when was it first formed? Nineteen sixty. Sixty one. Yeah. Sixty one. Yeah, so it's actually sixty. Oh, so this years is the sixtieth. Yes, oh yeah, okay. But I think this production was from a couple of years ago. Anyway, they were they were already kind of celebrating oh, okay, right, the right. anniversary of the play, which they often do. Um, but it, it it was surprising how uh, her Winnie's monologue and her her worries and her concerns felt very current and they felt very because it's very lonely and it's about someone who whose days is, are always the same and i think everyone can kind of relate to that in the past year in a way that you can you don't have i mean unless you've been going to work as a key worker as chris has but i think your days kind of feel the same you don't we can't really do anything I still have that feeling, even though I've been going to work. Yeah, so. I know. I, I I don't know. Recently, it's even become a joke. How you know? Oh my god, I have to go for my walk for my daily walk. Oh my <laughs> god, I cannot stand this anymore. And it, there's that there's that feeling to the play of this sameness and this paralysis that we all felt we were in 
But I think that's a, that's a very common point that I think is made about a lot of art, that a good, you know, well-made art, that it, 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 it becomes timeless and it always feels like it could have been written just recently. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like, even even the fact that she is buried in kind of bar- barren land uh, and it feels co- like you can you can even make a connection to like cl- climate crisis. I don't think necessarily Pinter was the uh, Pinter, not not Pinter. Sorry, this is a this is a, <laughs> this is a slip. Uh, I don't think Becky was thinking about it necessarily, but this it, it is land where nothing really grows. No, but Becky, I think ultimately was thinking about is the same thing he's always thinking about, which is the human condition and the fragility of humans and the 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 uh, the 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 un the unspeakable despair that humans are always in and the fact that humans are always a little bit sad because they know they're going to die stuff like that that's kind of what Becca's always talking about and that's why it feels timeless I think because all humans experience some level of that at all times even if they don't know about it or can't identify it or haven't really thought about it Mm -hmm. every human unbeknownst to them actually understands that yeah and I think that's why it feels timeless, and that's why you know lots of that's why this kind of stuff, that's why absurdist theatre does feel timeless, and always feels like it could have just been written. Yeah, about I guess you. I guess I was just yeah, I guess I was just surprised by how how current it felt um, in many in many many ways, um, and I think that's well about how you're able to make these. Yeah, I think there, there, leaps, there is right? some there is some coincidence. I agree, like like the whole you could argue the climate change thing, but but, but you couldn't really because. It's, it's only it's only the the visual and the setting. I mean, none of the dialogue. And I, I no. think that seems to be the case always. I think that set is always the set because I actually looked at yeah, photos of all the productions and that seems to be the case. But maybe he was already thinking of that. Maybe he was a visionary, which, you know, I don't think. He was a visionary, but I don't think he necessarily <laughs> was thinking much about climate change. Maybe not. Uh, but I think that, we, uh, that uh, what you said about um, being aware of this um, inherent sadness about, you know, like our, our, our life and the fact that it will end. Uh, I think it is there very much so, and there's a there's a there's something that Winnie says that she she tells Willie that sorrow keeps breaking in, mm, which I, I took note of. It's such a such a great uh, such a great quote, and in the second half she also talks about how she's she is herself, but she is not the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will not do it justice, but it's a very it's again a very yeah, nice quote. What's the what's the quote? Do you remember it? Because it's something like. Um... Uh, so, so, yeah, something about ever changing but always the same or something. It, it made me think of the ship of Theseus. You know, the whole that whole um, the whole uh, uh, if you if you replace all the planks of wood of a ship over time, at what point is it no longer the same ship? And then if you take all the old planks of wood and make a new ship out of it, which ship is the original ship? All that. Yeah. So the quote is to have been what I always am and so changed from what I was. Yeah. And to me, those that, that I think that sums up the play in many ways ever changing but always the same ever changing but always the same and i think the fact that she's stuck in a hole kind of brings <laughs> bring it like brings home the fact that it's always the same and at the same time she has these memories and these conversations with her husband who it feels also it kind of felt very lonely it was one of the best depictions of loneliness i think i've ever seen on stage mm-hmm. um because even though he is there, and I think the fact that he is there is kind of keeping her going in a way. She has someone to talk to. She is so desperate. She she she's talking, but I don't think anyone's actually listening. Uh, even if he is there, no, I think she, she mentions that she just wants to know he's an earshot. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's that's so poignant. I think we all feel like that sometimes. Yeah, I think absolutely. Just having someone nearby, even if you're not actually going to talk to them. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, it was the. The second, the second Pinter full-length Pinter play that I saw. A third, technically, you third. saw Rough for Theater two That's and true. Endgame. Although they're both because Endgame's only about an hour and a quarter. 
So the shorter, and roughly right? Theater is only about twenty minutes, probably. Yeah, and this is uh, Beckett's sixth, sixth play. Sixth play. Is it? <laughs> I don't know. Yes, it is. Yeah, um, and it it was just it was interesting to have this contact. It was very different from, I think, from Endgame to me, and it it struck me very differently. Uh, it felt very personal. Um, I particularly felt it's, very. It's moved very different, by it. but it is also about um, a kind of a almost post-apocalyptic kind of barren wasteland. That's the, that's the th- well. The, you never see the outside in Endgame, but it's um, it's described to you. Mm-hmm. Um, Clove, I think, describes it as as orange kind of wasteland almost. Yeah. Yes, um, and I think that's that kind of resonates in many ways, uh, and this place certainly did. And actually. The first half um, is very different tonally from the second half. The first half is a little bit more upbeat. Um, I think there's some more, not jokes, but it's you know it's a bit more. There's a few funny moments. Beckett definitely has has known for a comedy add, adding humor to his moment, yeah. despair. <laughs> but it, the second half to me is mostly just despair, uh, even though it was the first half that brought tears to my eyes. So. Um, yes. Interesting. <laughs> yes, Deborah was very moved by this one. I was at one point confused. It didn't. It, it didn't certainly yeah. strike quite the same chord with me. No, maybe not. But it's a. I, I really. I really enjoyed it. I think it's. Um, I think you have to be open-minded to go see it. Uh, it definitely kind of. It doesn't really allow you to stay in your comfort zone, both regarding its subject matter and also it's staging and everything else i think it's very different i think if you just see take this at face value as, 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 as which is a, 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 that it's a story about a woman who's trapped in sand it's going to be rubbish yeah because that's a bad story and there's nothing to it and nothing actually really happens as a result um something nearly happens at the end but doesn't really mm. and that's kind of the point you have it's a bit like what we said before about pinter you have to be willing to get kind of engage with it on a level like on a level a bit, bit, bit that's a bit more involved than you're going to be engaging with a feel-good musical. Yes. Um, because I know you can watch it without engaging with it mentally, but you're just not going to enjoy it mm-hmm. because it's because it's because as an entertaining story, it's bad. Yeah, I don't think that's. <laughs> I don't even think that's what it's, it's it means to do. No, it's not. It's it's not. It's not trying to be an entertaining story. It's trying to be. It's trying to be um, thought-provoking art. And that's and like and theatre can be can be all sorts of things. Theatre can be thought provoking art, or it can be feel good um, uh, escapism. And this is definitely not feel good escapism. This is this is actually trying to make you confront the things that you sometimes go to. So when you know when you go see Hairspray, you're trying to escape certain aspects of your life. Yeah. And when you go see Beckett, he's actually trying to make you confront those aspects of your life. Yeah, and he doesn't give you um, answers that aren't answers for a lot of things. Or as to like, there's no rhyme and reason to some of the things, and in a way, that is the thing that kind of makes you think more and wonder more because you don't really know what the right or wrong thing is. It's just it's very complex to me. It almost felt like I was watching a woman in in a stream of consciousness therapy mm-hmm. session mm-hmm. in many ways, um, and I, I I mean I I love that so I yeah. thought it was great. So so that's well that's the first the first kind of hint to, not hint but the first kind of uh, piece of information to give you don't go and see this for a entertaining story. Yes. <laughs> this is uh, this is yeah this is definitely for 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 those of you who want to kind of uh, be challenged. Yeah, it's a bit like um, if you've ever been if you've ever done uh, psychotherapy, you'll know that it's not really fun. 
You know, it's not really meant to be fun. But it is fun because it, but it, but it, in, it, but, in a different but, way. But maybe a month later, you'll be like, oh, that was good because I talked about all those it's things. It's not fun, but it's fulfilling. It's fulfilling. It's fulfilling, it's fulfilling yes. to go through this process um, and consider these things that you haven't considered before. Um, and, yeah. ma- and maybe come out the other side kind of a more, uh, I don't want to say a better person, but a more, uh, I don't more, know, a more, more aware of yourself, I think. Yeah. Because it does, it does make you look inside. Yeah. And I think some other plays allow you to look outside more, but this one definitely challenges you to look inside mm-hmm. and to kind of definitely. face face your own, you know, your Demons. own hole. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I definitely enjoyed the show as well. Um, I, I can't help but compare Pinter to Beckett, or Beckett to Pinter, rather. Um, and I, I kind of... Uh, Deborah and I obviously discussed... We had lunch afterwards before we went to see our second show. And we did discuss the play over lunch, which was very enjoyable. That's the other thing. It's really about seeing this kind of challenging play. It, it allows for a really stimulating conversation afterwards. It really does, and it's one of those that you just uh, come back to. So sometimes you're like, you're not thinking about it, and then you're like, oh... Remember that bit, that bit in the play that mm. I now that now makes sense to me because mm-hmm. of something that happened to me or something that mm-hmm. it, it triggered in me. So in that sense, it's it's great. But I did something I said over that over that lunch was that um, I think this play has allowed me to identify why I prefer Pinter to Beckett. So Pinter and Beckett are both obviously theatrically absurd. They're both very similar in many many ways. The Irish are disappointed um, in Chris. <laughs> <laughs> but I think uh, yeah, I know I'm preferring an Englishman's plays. But I think so. The the thing I've kind of identified is that Beckett's characters acknowledge and also even question the absurdity of their of their situations mm-hmm. um like she brings up the fact that she's in a hole like she talks about it um a pinta character wouldn't a pinta character would completely accept this as this is the way reality is or is always has been and should be uh pinta characters don't address how absurd their situations are and i for some reason i find that it lets me enter the world it, it it's like it's like um Pinter presents a an absurd world, but it's not. It's it's like it's like almost an uncanny world, right? It's like almost the same as ours, but it's slightly. It's just different enough to be to be disturbing and 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 upsetting, and the characters exist in that world as if that's the reality the way it is. Pinter's Pinter, but Beckett also presents a, an uncanny world that's almost the same as ours, but just different enough to be disturbing and upsetting. But then the characters kind of are like are also disturbed and upset by. By how weird the world is, so it's it's a juxtaposition. The Pinter's character will 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 be happy and go lucky whilst bodies are falling around him, because <laughs> yeah. it's because that's the way it's meant to be. That's a good description of it. Um, and and Beckett's characters will will not like will be horrified by the bodies falling for the most part. I mean, I'm not. I haven't seen every Beckett play. I haven't seen every Pinter play, but I've seen a lot of Pinter plays, and I've seen a, I don't know four or five Beckett plays, mm. and I've read other Beckett plays that I haven't seen. And that's generally speaking the impression I get. And I personally much prefer the the when the characters don't acknowledge the absurdism around them. I think that just lets it just it just works better for me. Yeah, that's Cause, that's a fair point. Because because both of those like Beckett's about, in my opinion, it's about the you know the, the futility of life, the the, uh, the 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 constant sadness in all humans. I kind of it's basically nihilism, right? Uh, Pinter and Becker, a theory of certain general, is essentially about nihilism, how there is no point to life and life is is meaningless. Um, and to, in my opinion, to the untrained philosophical mind, nihilism is is the end. And nihil- people are like, oh, well, nihilism is if life is pointless, then 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 life is then it's pointless. There is no point. That's it. What a cynical view to have. Um, 
but in my opinion nihilism is actually the the, the beginning it's the oh, it's the beginning to realizing that life is pointless but i want to live it anyway and i want to find the meaning anyway and i want to to and we, you know, we find our own meaning we find our own happiness it actually lets you kind of ascend to a higher plane of existence almost when you accept that there that that's that that nihilism is kind of the most logical response to life but then continue anyway and i think that's what pinter and beckett were trying to say over and over and over if again. Your, if I, your honest... theatre asked you, well, what was the author trying to say? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I get from them. Every single Pinter and Becker play I enjoy in different ways and on different levels. Um, and some are better than others. And some some say more than others. Some say less than others. And some say different things. And don't get me wrong, this isn't the only thing that, um, that the, one can glean from it or even the only thing that I've gleaned from it. But the overall ever-present message that I get from Theatre of the Assert every time over and over again, the broken record that they're trying to get through, in my opinion, to their audience, is that, is that nihilism is not only okay, but the most rational um, response to the world. But that's not the end. That's the beginning. And life can still be beautiful and have meaning after that. It's like, because like Beckett's... Um, Beckett's uh, writing philosophy was a response to Joyce, who who he was James Joyce, who he was an assistant of, and James Joyce is massively known for his very flowery language, right? And he Beckett was apparently thought that Joyce had taken that about as far as it could go, and wanted to really bring things back to basics. That's one of the reasons he chose to write. Uh, Happiness, I think, he actually wrote in English, but a lot of his plays he chose to write in his non-native French and then he translated it back into English himself to avoid traps of of embellished language essentially um it was a deliberate thing he did it's as as someone uh, speaking her second language here you definitely feel like you have more control over your second language than your first language in a way control as in technical control as in you know you understand you were taught that when you already well not everyone I was definitely taught that at school instead of learning how to speak it from being like a toddler, you Mm -hmm. know? So you do feel like you have some control, like you know, you understand aspects of grammar and things that don't go together. And also, I think you're kind of limited. You're somewhat limited with like adjectives maybe or adverbs that you you wouldn't necessarily use because you don't need them because you know you don't need them. Whereas maybe a native speaker would use them. Yes, and I think that control allowed Beckett to cut through the flowery... Uh, fakery. I, I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure if he viewed it as fakery, but I think it was not unfair to kind of use that term. The kind of the flowery fakery of 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 Joyce's beautiful language to cut through to the raw human condition, which is then ultimately pointless. And then and then once he had done that, it, uh, so I think I think he was kind of yeah he was it was kind of it was like a service to us almost right to 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 um to say no this is all this is all pretend and all this all this all this pretend beauty in this language is until you've accepted what we actually are and what the human condition truly is then it's all fake once you've got once you've kind of found this foundation of of rational nihilism only then can you see the true beauty in the world that's kind of what i think one that's how why i think he kind of wanted to to pull back the language to its raw, to its core which i think is quite the achievement in many ways because both i think beckett and binter does that to some extent as well and joyce did that uh, you, they both joyce they, did that they all use stream of consciousness oh yes yes uh and 
it's very difficult, I think, to create stream of consciousness that is true to, to how stream of consciousness actually works because it doesn't often make sense. Uh, it is not necessarily pretty. And I think Beckett does that very well. And uh, what you were saying about, um, you know, kind of, you know, life, you, we're all going to die and it's all meaningless, but we have to find some something to kind of, we still want to live it and it's still great and it's still, uh, we still want to be here. Uh, made me think of psychoanalysis and it made me think of Freud and Jacques Lacan and all these people. Um, Wasn't it, Beckett, didn't he have something to do with Freud? Look, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I actually, that's something I've been meaning to look into for a long time because I think there's definitely dialogue there in his plays and his works uh, with, with the psychoanalytical theory. But what, what but I did want he meet to... Him with, is there something, why is it in my head? There's well, because I, I about... think because I think Beckett looks like Lacan. That's <laughs> Maybe they do be. look alike yeah. <laughs> uh, but so so it made me think of uh this kind of the death drive and the eros drive that psychoanalysis talks about and how those two forces are constantly competing in our lives you know that's like the despair and the and the joy and the kind of will to live but at the same time being attracted to i guess death as well in a way so i think um theater of the absurd seems to encompass these things uh really nicely I don't want to say it's necessarily the best portrayal of it, but it definitely does a good job of showing the struggles within humans, mm-hmm. you know, and it kind of it, 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 that maybe that's why it speaks to us so deeply. Yes. Sorry, I'm just letting that wash over me. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I think, um, and I want to make. I mean, I, I think that Becker obviously came before Pinter by I think maybe twenty years. Um, they obviously were writing at the same time for quite a long time, but he he pre. I think um, maybe that's why I pre- why I'm able to, why I prepare like I said Beckett kind of had the the mission to the, the, as I said the response the artistic response to Joyce. Um, this is before YouTube video responses existed. <laughs> Essentially, Beckett was doing a YouTube video response to Joyce's YouTube video. Um, and uh, Joyce's YouTube video was very long. <laughs> yes, and didn't make a lot of sense. But no, so so I think so. So he kind of went on that mission, and 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 achieved, and you know, went and my opinion achieved it. And I think that kind of then opened the door potentially, um, maybe for Pinter to to. Uh, you know, you can almost look at it as kind of a meta narrative, almost, right? Beckett's characters, as I say, acknowledge the bizarre situation they're in, and then, um, and and through acknowledge, and then, and you know, and by by looking at their absurd situation, they come to accept nihilism, and then, and then, meta narrative. By the time we arrive in Pinter's character, with Pinter's characters, the absurdist world has now become the norm, and has now become accepted, and that's why Pinter's characters don't talk about it. Yeah, but I think Beckett's characters talk about it in in so far they 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 acknowledge that they acknowledge their situation, but they do that that is their normal, and that's why they acknowledge it because that's just their lives. I don't think it's like to me. Now, to to me, I mean, we can agree to disagree on this. We have it's fine. Well, I haven't but, seen as much Beckett as you have, but I think I think I Winnie, haven't seen that much more than Winnie you know. in. So going back to Happy Days, which is meant to be the review we are doing. <laughs> uh, um, going back to Happy Days, I think Winnie acknowledges her condition and so this there, there is this acknowledgement of the human condition uh of her condition of the her normal of her everyday her of her kind of this is this will have been another happy day this is all the sameness of her times she does acknowledge her place it's very odd that she is in a hole in the ground but she also acknowledges the time when she wasn't in the hole in the ground she also and that's, makes if, reference, that's what yes. that's my point if yes. pinter wrote happy days then 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 winnie would have always been in that hole 
and she would not have known okay. a time before that. That's the tip. Interesting. That's, that's my opinion. No, I guess I guess I can see that. Yes. What about Willie? Because Willie is not in the hole. Yes. He's in a different hole. But he 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 and he but he yeah. Well, Willie doesn't read. If if Willie had as much dialogue as Winnie did. He he probably would as Beck you know the way Beckett wrote it he probably would have acknowledged a time when he lived in a house. Whereas for Pinter, sure. he, we're in pure speculation at this point. Yeah. But that's that's just my opinion about about the difference between Pinter and Beckett. Why I prefer Pinter and how I think Pinter is a very natural evolution of Beckett, even though they actually coexisted and co and wrote at the same time for probably the majority of their careers. Um. Oh my god! I would actually love to sit in that conversation if they ever met. That's kind of like I don't point, know if they met. A point in history I would have liked to be present at. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I know Oscar Wilde met Arthur Conan Doyle. <laughs> yeah. So these people all met because there weren't that many people in the there world. There weren't that many people, and they all knew each other. So yeah. But as you said, we that's that's a, that, was a, that was a bit of an aside, but a very fascinating, interesting conversation, in my opinion, about theatre was there in general and the human condition and what it has to tell about us about that but specifically for this show then um you know for review for review purposes um we've talked about the set and how the set is absolutely stupendous um and uh we've uh, the acting is also very good i yeah that's really yeah. faulted yeah so the, the i think the actors did a very good job um it's 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 very difficult to um command a stage more or less by yourself for two hours it's even harder when you don't have your legs, and it's even harder than that when you haven't got your arms either. Yeah. Um. So I think uh, what's what's the actress's name? Lisa, Lisa Dawn. Dawn. Lisa Dawn. Yeah. So I think Lisa Dawn did a tremendous job of um of keeping the f- I mean just the fact that she kept my attention for that period of time mm-hmm. is is quite something. Um. I think um the actor playing Willie, whose name is uh, Simon Wolf. Simon Wolf has inc- he has another a, a, a very very different but equally challenging challenge, which is he has to kind of command interest with that, with, with very, with whilst having very little to do that with, he's got very little to, to, to work with. He's not on the stage very often. Um, he has almost no lines. And yet I also found him very compelling. Yes. Surprising, isn't it? I mean, maybe it wasn't, it wasn't so. Because we barely see his face. Yeah, you only see his face at the very end. Away from us. Yeah. yeah, only at the very end you see his face. And I think he did a, a really good job of um, the cl- climatic moment, um, which might sound silly, because ultimately the climatic moment is just Willie crawling towards something. Mm-hmm. Don't want to spoil too much if you'd like to see it. But um, but the, 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 it's, he, he, the intent of the crawl is absolute paramount, absolutely paramount to the... Uh, to the Dare I say plot, uh, yeah. but but the, it's the meaning of the play, and it's it's as someone who has done some acting, it's very difficult to crawl with ambiguous intent. <laughs> it's a challenge. It's you know, and, 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 yeah, I assume it's also very difficult to crawl without making you look like a panto. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, you know? absolutely. No, he, he, it's a very look basic. It's a, it's an incredibly dramatic and serious. Moment that would ultimately look silly and stupid yeah, it has the if it wasn't done silly, with yeah. absolute commitment, and not only the not only commitment but absolute um, absolute commitment and absolute t- and and enough talent basically. And and he 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 has he has a very small role, but I think it's a very tough role to actually pull off. And at no point did he um, did he take away uh, did he kind of the the 
overbear on a scene or his presence was never um, distracting because mm-hmm. there's a large point where he's kind of just there reading a newspaper. You only see the back of his head yeah. for a lot of it, yeah. Um, and so there was a he, lot, and, and a he lot of... And he, he doesn't take the limelight away from, no. from Lisa Dawn, who clearly is the star of the show. Yeah. Um, but there's I, a lot of talent on the stage, I think. Yeah, in only two actors. Yeah. yeah. It must be a very difficult job to do every day, and they were going to do it twice that day because we saw the matinee. So it feels yes. it's a very di- I, I a hard show to do twice. Very hard show to do, and there's I think it takes a lot from uh, from someone to kind of monologue that way. I mean, look if you've again if you've ever been to uh, therapy and you talked for fifty minutes, you'll know how hard it is. She actually has to do yeah. it for a long time. Um, what what I, what I guess what I'm trying to say is actually it's it's it, with the, the the role of Willie looks incredibly easy because all he has to do is say grunt a few lines, <laughs> sit reading a newspaper, and crawl somewhere at the end. It looks very easy and it is on paper, but just trust me, that's not an easy it's not an easy role to pull off, and he does it very well. Um, so yeah, the cast were absolutely fantastic, really really good. Lighting and staging and the set, everything was great. The directing was very good because because I didn't consider it at all if that makes sense it's it's um it Beck- was subtly present yeah beckett's very difficult to direct um and with this because it's all because there's almost no blocking in this show it's basically just yeah just a just a torso and a, and a head talking followed by a <laughs> head talking um the, the, the a great deal of the director i mean it, it would have been a very close relationship between act, act actress and and director there, there's very, there's very, and there's very, there's gonna be very little physical evidence of the competent directing, but as a whole package, it's very, it's, it's very evident that, that working relationship w- was went very, went very well. It was clear that they, that they, uh, it's clear that they, you know, were on the same page. They potentially, they potentially disagreed, potentially challenged each other at times, but they were always able to work it out. Professionally and artistically, yeah, I think it's very, that, very clear that, that that there was a good relationship. Yeah, Lisa Dawn very much kind of um, commanded her her lines and her delivery and everything. Everything was there, very mm-hmm. well done. Whenever she was quoting from, you know, whenever Willie kind of Winnie forgot her because she starts quoting things and she forgets the quote halfway through. Mm-hmm. There's always there's always a, a no, there's an ownership over the things that she was saying. I think mm-hmm. I think the actress did that very well. Yeah, she forgot her lines and then said them rather than remembered them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. Um, yeah. So yeah. So cast fantastic. Set fantastic. Um, you, you know, uh, emotional impact and and uh, and and making you question your own existence. Intense. Very intense. <laughs> uh, enjoyment as a plot. A plot. Obviously, there is no plot. It's it's not a very applicable. It's, it's a yeah. It's a exactly. It's not. It's not that it's a guess a bad mark. It's that it's not applicable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely. You don't want to go. As I say, you don't want to go see this for for escapist fun. You want to go see this to be to kind of yeah to to experience same reason you go to an art gallery I guess to experience yeah um, you, you go see it to look out instead you look out in order to look in exactly well said yeah well said <laughs> so yes. we don't we don't do star ratings but if we did <laughs> <laughs> but Shall if we, we just start doing star ratings? no no we don't do star ratings we don't no, if we, we, did. we we absolutely don't do star ratings. we never rate uh, shows on a on a star with stars but if I was to rate this show. Yeah, uh, it was the stars. Um, I I'm gonna surprise you. I'm gonna give it four stars. Four stars, okay. And here's the thing: I don't know where that fifth star went. It's that's ju- fine. I, it's 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 usually I can I can I feel usually I'm quite good at expressing my my opinions, but there's just I think I think it is possibly and maybe it's unfair. I think it is just possibly comparing it to Pinter. They make me feel incredibly similar, 
and I just prefer the way Pinter does that. Okay, um, he touches you right. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess Pinter just knew my mind a little bit better than Samuel Beckett did. Um, yeah. But um, but yeah, no, it was fantastic. Absolutely great. Would I see it again? Probably not. Uh, not this production. Not I mean. this production. Um, I would mm. go back to see Happy Days again, a new production of it in, in a few in, years. In a few yes, years. Absolutely. Um, yeah. If I mean, we're not doing star ratings, but if it were, <laughs> I I mean, I, I'm afraid I'd have to give it five stars. It moved me. It moved me to my core, and I get upset thinking about it a bit. Do you, so just before we close up this review section, then of interest, do you prefer Beckett to Pinter? Do you think obviously, I, obviously you've seen a lot more? Yeah, Pinter. I don't know. So I would have to see more Beckett to be able to judge. Maybe Beckett speaks to me more. I don't know. I'd have to. Yeah. I have to see. I do love Pinter. So yeah, uh, it, we look, clearly we clearly uh, love it. Yeah, we clearly really enjoyed it. Just to give you a recommendation, Deborah, yes. and also our, then our listeners, um, there is there was a project called Beckett on Film done sometime. I think it was in the nineties. So basically, all of his shows. Have have had film have been filmed. Okay, bye um, now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they're done. The, the, the actors in them are there's, there's you've got Michael Gambon was oh, in wow. one. Um, you've got Alan Rickman was in it. Okay. it it's, it's 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 all all kinds of all star um, British and Irish casts. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen some of them. Um, I I try to avoid him in some ways because again I prefer to go and see to have my first experience on the stage. But this is this was made. Um, you know with with. Uh, TV in mind, With, yeah, it was I mean, film yeah, in mind, yeah, film in mind, and uh, the Beck, you know, the Beck estate was, as far as I know, on board with this. They gave me the so uh, rarity. So um, yeah, so so it's, it's, if you if you're interested, and obviously Happy Days is there. If you're interested yeah. in, in experiencing Beckett, then if you go to YouTube and just search Beckett on film, a lot of them are up there. Well, we all know what I'll be doing tonight. <laughs> so before we wrap this up. Um, let us know if you have seen Happy Days not necessarily this production could be another production or if you're seeing this production let us know what you thought of it and most importantly let us know what you think Willy not Willy 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 was reaching for at the end of the play let us know in the comments on on Instagram on our our picture you'll see a picture coming up for the episode let us know there what you think he was reaching for Beckett says he doesn't know what Willy's reaching for yeah I know It's, it's up to us right Beckett says he doesn't know what Willy's reaching for but I know what he's reaching for, and that's the beauty of art. But yeah, restricted dot view on Instagram. Let us know what you thought of Happy Days. So this week's tip is a quite. It's not it's not one tip. It's essentially what may become a regular part, feature of our tip sections, depending on how people react to it. Uh, it's going to be a, a deep dive, or not so deep dive, but a, a moderate dive into the Gilgood Theatre. Um, and giving you kind of a bit of insight into into if you're plan- planning a trip there, basically. Mm. Um, so the Gilgit Theatre is on Shaftesbury Avenue, amongst a lot of other theatres. So you'll definitely see, you've seen it if you if you're in London, you have seen it. It most recently had um, the Les Mis concert in it, which now moved to the Sondheim. Yes, and before that, it had Upstar Crow, which had a very short run. Mm. And we are all in the hope they will come back one day, so we can see David Mitchell as William Shakespeare once again. And what's the next show that's going to go up there? Oh, it's uh, it's going to uh, have um, the mirror and the light, but it's an adaptation of Hilary Mantel's book. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that's in September. And the next year, it's going to have To Kill a Mockingbird. Yes. So if you're interested in either of those shows, uh, keep the following tips in mind. So basically, okay. So we've sat in several places in the Gilgo Theatre. The Gilgo Theatre, I'm sorry to say, is a not a good theatre in terms <laughs> in terms of seating. No. It has a lot of problems. Um, the store, so it has, first of all, it has quite a high stage. Yeah. Deborah, you've sat in the front row and you weren't too bothered by it, but I know people who have been bothered no, by it. No, but it was, uh, I sat in the front row for a company and company had a kind of a um, 
how can I minimalistic stage? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it didn't really matter that much. Uh, but I can I, I can assume that with a more kind of intricate stage, it yeah. would bother me more. Yeah, it's yeah. the first two rows that are that are that are badly affected by the high stage. So generally speaking, you want to avoid the first two rows of stalls. No, don't get me wrong, it's not that bad. And if you if you know for if you for, get for, like for rush the right, tickets for the right price, uh, for the right, yeah, for the right price. Yeah, great, but yeah. like having said that, we got rush tickets once, for example, to the Palladium Theatre to see the King and I sat in the very front row, and the, the stage was at a perfect level. I was like, wow, these are amazing seats. Well, yes, because you have the orchestra between the yeah. front row and the stage. Yes, and you won't feel that way, unfortunately, the Gilgamesh Theatre because there is no oh, yeah, there's no orchestra pit. That's basically the problem, right? Yeah. That's that's the uh, yeah. Um, so. Uh, there's also a very low overhang from the from the circ from the dress circle, which affects row M from Mike backwards. Um, now we've sat in the very back row or near enough to the very back row, and we were fine for company and for the Les Mis concert. Uh-huh. But anything with a very high stage where you need to see the high stage or you want to see the very high, the, the highest the part top of the, of the set, stage, top, yeah. the top of the set, yeah, um, will be affected by that. Now again, I personally don't think the overhang is that is. I think it's acceptable as long as the price reflects it. But it is, again, something to be aware of. Yes, there, uh, another problem of um, the stalls, anyway, that I can remember is the lack of toilets. Yes, there are toilets. There are toilets. And a I... bar on the stalls yes, level. Yes, yes. One, it's one of each, isn't it? It's basically back back left and back right. Yeah, there really? are very few stalls uh, in the toilets. And I remember queuing for the toilet for the whole of the interval. Uh, and as we said before, we know this is not necessarily a problem. They'll wait for you to use the toilet before they start the show. But it is very frustrating because sometimes you just want to kind of stretch your legs and maybe go to the bar, get a drink, which is something that was not possible. I just I was just queuing for the toilet for the mm-hmm. whole for the whole time. Um, the dress circle then is probably the best place to actually sit. Um, it's very now the problem is it is very curved. So if you sit on the if you're not sent you want to be central. Center of dress circle is the best place to sit. Full stop. Particularly row A, obviously. I mean, front row of the dress circle is probably the best seats in any house. Yeah. But but the problem, the thing about the Gilgut is kind of the seats. Almost all of the seats, apart from the centre of the dress circle, are kind of have problems. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and the dress circle has a quite has a good rake as well. Has um has a good. It's well tiered. So um so yeah, if you're centre and and if you're cent- fairly centre of the dress circle, you're going to have a good view. But on the, on the edges um. It, it, the the dress circle itself is incredibly curved, so you're going to have a side-on view or potentially be affected by the the railing quite badly. Um, boxes are at this level and they do face directly towards the stage, which is a good thing. So maybe maybe it's a good thing. It's probably quite a good thing to get a box. As I said, they're they're, be, they're, yeah. they're facing the stage as opposed to being side-on, which a lot of, in a lot of theaters are side-on. But they, here they're facing stage, and he, it's very hard to get decent seats in the Gilgamesh Theatre. So maybe the box. This is one one time. If you if you if you want to have a box experience, this might be the time to do it when you're going to Gilgamesh. If we ever do it, we'll let you know. Um, I have done it. <laughs> no, no, but in in the Gilgamesh. Oh, I see. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, the Grand Circle. The Grand Circle. Frankly, I would just say that don't try try not to sit in the Grand Circle. They're not. It's not. It's pretty. It's it feels very high up. It feels as high up as balconies do in yeah, other theatres. Yeah. It is super curved, more than the dress circle. You basically have to be dead centre or else you are yeah. not seeing the, 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 the left side or the right side of the stage, depending on which side you're, you're sitting yeah, on. Yeah, Chris and I usually um, are advocates for the front uh, front few lines of the grand circle because they're usually very good. Yeah. But this is not the case here. Well, unless you're in the very center, but even then, the 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 rail is very high. The rail actually will have a negative impact for the first two or even three rows. It's really not good. Yeah. Now, the, so the only so the budget seats would be the center. I mean, center of the grand circle, 
four, five, six, fourth, fifth, sixth row. Yeah. Those kind of like D, E, and F. And I mean dead center. <laughs> Those are your budget seats if you're looking for. Um, also, very back of the stalls, as long as you don't mind the overhang, which doesn't matter for a lot of shows. As I said, look on seat plan. All our tips linked together. Our first ever tip was look at seat plan. Look at the reviews for that particular seat for that particular show. Does it have a high set? But generally speaking, um, you yeah, basically you want in, the grand circle is not good. Um, it's very limited. Where as I said, D D D D onwards maybe and dead center. Um, but it does have a good rotation of shows, so it is an interesting theater to actually know about because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of interesting things come to the Gilgud. Yes. No toilets on every level, I believe as well. There seems to be toilets on every level, toilets on every but level. not many of them. No, not many of them. So you'll be fine. So you won't have to be so six year level. You won't have to be climbing up and down levels to go to the bathroom. But you, uh, yeah, just go. I go. believe that there are more toilets in the upper levels than there are in the stalls. Because when I was there, I was told I could go up, but by that point, I was so close. <laughs> it was so close to be my to be my turn that I didn't. But you know, you know, you know how it is. <laughs> but yeah, so that's the, that's just kind of a, like I said. It's a deep, it's a deep dive, but it's quick. It's a quick deep dive, so we'll call it a moderate dive. Moderate dive into the Gilgood Theatre, and it's it's uh, it's you know, surface it's, level dive. It's seating and toilet, it's seating and toilets. And I guess then the takeaway, the kind of the, the would be that yeah, the best value for money in our experience is upper circle, dead center, road steep back and back. Yeah. Uh, but you don't go too far back because then you're going to be too far away because you're already pretty far away. So I would say D to F, D to F, grand circle, dead center. Um, or back of the stalls, uh, but d- do just make sure there's not a super high set where you need to be able to see the top of the set. I think that sums it up nicely. So this is our far too many notes section, and today we are going to talk to you about some of our favorite people to go see on stage, and that's Mischief Theatre. As uh, Chris mentioned uh, during our review, we had a double double feature play play day (laughs) play day yeah yeah. a double feature day and we actually went to two shows handily both at the riverside studios yes so we we we, we dealt with uh, existential existential crises uh seeing beckett and then we went to see a lovely improv comedy to relax yeah and, and, and laugh at that and you know just watch people fall over <laughs> yes you've you've, I know you, uh, you've probably heard us talk quite a few times about mischief theater before yes and um, um, they've definitely featured on our lists in the past and and we've uh, mentioned in all sorts of ways yeah and having seen them uh, very recently for the first time in a very long time live uh, in person we decided to talk a little bit about them today because we are big fans. Yes, this uh, also allows us to kind of cheat and sort of do a second review. <laughs> even though I feel that um, this is me being very uh, like very uh, new to reviewing theatre because I feel like it's very hard to review improv shows. Yeah, you basically can't. So I guess the, re- the review is basically that these guys are incredibly talented, very funny at improv. We went to see it and we we loved it and you should definitely go see it. Yes, that's it. That's the review. <laughs> um, and now we can talk about them. And you can go and you can go so you can go live to Riverside Studios until yes. until the first of August. There's very limited seating. But there are still seats available to go see them live and I'm so tempted mm-hmm. to go back because it was Well we are we are going back live. We're yeah, going but back. I'm so tempted to go again. I would like to, but yeah, but we're definitely going back at least one more time. And we already have our tickets for that. And then we got there's also um you can also for ten pounds you can buy um just a ticket to stream to stream the stream. Yeah, I believe they're doing thirty Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, Saturdays and Sundays. Indeed. Uh, and, you know, if you have nothing on, you can just get a £10 ticket and you can watch them, stream them. 
from it, you know from your sofa. Streaming for yourself. It's called um, it's called Mischief Movie Nineteen, and it says it's from it's from the first of July to the first of August at the Riverside Studios. And uh, yes, it's based. It's twenty five pounds to go in person, ten pounds to stream from home, and there are participation uh, tickets as well, which I think are fifteen, which are 15 pounds. pounds. We get a meet and greet with one. But of I the, don't uh, think they're available anymore. I don't think they are. Um, they might be, might be one or two. But it was where you get to suggest as a participation. So if you go, just yes, actually to clarify if you go. As we did, and sit in the audience, you will not get to make suggestions. I think we got to make one suggestion, but they hadn't. But the participation tickets from people watching from home—they're the people who actually get to make suggestions for movie genres, and for um, and for and for um, setting and all that kind of stuff. Yes, uh, the, so the, it's the, a, the, the shouting stuff out. We, we suggested the title. That's what we did. Yeah. Our job was the title. As, yeah, as, we were given one present. job. Yes, but the main the main thing you're paying the extra money for is the live the liveness we, of the event. We saw their first performance, uh, and it was quite different because they are actually also finding their feet. And so far as they have been doing this, they've done this only live in a theater in front of lots of people, and they've been doing this now during the pandemic. They've been doing this uh, streaming. In, they've been streaming it with with no audience, no mm-hmm. live audience. And now they have a mix. Yeah, so it's that was kind the first of, time. So it's kind of catering to both us being there live and also people at home watching from all over the world. Now, I thought it went extremely well. There were some jokes that obviously, uh, and, and the, uh, the director, even not the director, well, the, the director character even said, bear in mind, sometimes the funny thing might be that someone's out of shot or when they shouldn't be in shot or a silly special effect. So basically, we, we have monitors we can also look at. So we're looking at both the monitors and the, the live action. Yes, because they, um, they add things things as well yeah uh, and it worked also. very well it worked very it well worked and it was very funny to see the, gre- the well. green screen um effect that's going correctly but then also seeing the guys standing in front of a green screen and setting up for the next thing it all looks very silly and stupid and it's yeah, just and, uh, also funny. we found out that the social media corner is not actually a corner no so. it's not it's, a wall. <laughs> it's just a wall um but yeah so it was great Look, Mischief, Mischief Theatre are great. Mischief Movie Night, out or in, whichever, is great. If they're coming to your it's... city, uh, to your town, to your theatre near you, and I know they're touring also all sorts of things around the UK, go see them. It's actually yeah. really worth it. Yeah. Uh, and Mischief Movie Night in, specifically at the moment, is actually a lot of fun because you have some of the original members of mm-hmm. Mischief Theatre who are just brilliant. Yeah, so that's our review of, of Mystery Movie Night in and Riverside Studios. Go see it. Go but see Mischief it. Full Stop. What's the deal with mischief? What's the deal? What's the deal? Why what's do we the, love them so much? What's the situation? What's okay, the situation? this is an in-joke about something else. Uh, <laughs> what's the situation? Why do we love mischief so much? What's the deal? Okay, so uh, I think there's not a lot of point of like talking about it, the history of mischief because no. people can find it online. It's online. Go to Wikipedia. They were found in 2008. But they were found in 2008 <laughs> and, the fa- and the founding uh, members are Henry Lewis, Jonathan Sayer and Henry Shields. Yeah. But obviously Who are now, the writers now to this day. They're the writers yeah. and they are the, uh, uh, they are the, produ- they're the executive. They have creative uh, director and yeah. they're the big boys they are they are the big guys yeah <laughs> um and they do all sorts of things they are mostly famous i think for the play that goes wrong yeah which kind of was the, their, their breakthrough it's been all over the world it's been to broadway it's actually going back to broadway i don't know if you've seen this but it's going back to broadway to an off-broadway um theater now oh, it's, it's going off broadway but that's still fun. well uh, yeah their first era performance i know they tell you in one of their videos is uh was it the red line theater and only had four patrons who came to see it <laughs> is this true i don't know <laughs> I'm sure it is. But absolutely, they are, they are particularly famous as well, and I think this is the uh, the great, uh, the the clever thing about them as well is that they within the play that goes wrong. So in the play that goes wrong, we are seeing an amateur. So the 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 gimmick is that you are actually going to the theater to see an amateur theater company Cornley Polytechnic Theater Company yeah Drama Society Drama Society sorry yes. um, and you're going to the theater to see them act in a play. 
So you are so it's kind of meta in the sense that you have the actors playing the ca- the characters they're playing in the play, but also playing their cornly characters. And yeah, what, so, you, what so is, you have you have Dave Hearn as um what's the character? Oh, what's his name? Well, his Max. Max. Max, 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 is, Max as, yes, you got Dave Hearn playing Max playing someone else. John, yes. uh, the crocodile or whatever. Yes, exactly, and Peter Pan. Yes, uh, and I think that's uh, so great because uh, they, they, you attract so many people. You get to know these characters that they play, and it's so much fun to watch them in different settings. And they've become so big now that they have the Goes Wrong show on the BBC, and that's getting. And a that uses the season. same characters. That, that that's the, the the idea of that is that the Cornley Polytechnic Drama Society have been have been selected because Max knows someone who acts as his aunt or that works at yeah. BBC, and they've been picked to put on play of the week. So they put on these little one act plays in front of live audiences, which are then broadcast and broadcast on the BBC. But obviously, they're terrible. But <laughs> <laughs> well, terribly funny. Uh, uh, but yeah, so it's I don't know. And if that's series like... two of uh, the goes wrong. Show. Series one of the goes wrong shows available on iPlayer, uh, and series two is coming soon. Yes, they are recording it, as far as I understand, mm-hmm. or they have recorded it. I'm not sure, but it's definitely in the in the works. Um, so yes, they've done a lot of. They mostly focus on comedy. They kind of dabbled on um, kind of a bit, trying to kind of do a bit something a bit different with one of their plays a couple of years ago uh which was that was not kosher they we, had a full run didn't it grown-ups yes um we'll get to that in, we'll get to that one yes. in a minute and they are just uh, they're just brilliant to watch i don't think i've ever had a bad time watching a mischief theater no. show so i mean i think a good comparison so i'd never seen noises off before uh, until i'd seen several mischief plays um, but I have since seen Noises Off, um, and it is incredibly heavily inspired by Noises Off. I think Noises Off is a play about a group of actors. This is the play that goes wrong. Not all of their plays, right? Well, well, Peter, well, Peter Pan goes wrong yes. and Magic goes wrong. Yes, the goes wrong, the goes <laughs> the goes, wrong stuff. The goes right? wrong stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. it's very similar to Noises Off. Noises Off is basically about a, yeah, it's about a group of professional actors and competent actors who are trying to put on a show, but but everything but, goes wrong. But things go wrong, but mostly because of their relationships. And I think the um. The, the first act is then rehearsing and the second act is then you see the that they're putting the show on but you're you're backstage with them yes uh, so you're you're only seeing the people who are off stage um and it's it's but, but it, it, there's a lot of slapstick humor and lines going wrong and stuff and that's where a lot of the humor comes from the play that goes wrong so the play that goes wrong is basically what I'm trying to make is heavily inspired by noises off if you know what noises off then you'll that's the kind of thing you're in you're in for um but yeah there's a lot of slapstick humor there's also there's also a lot of clever um, puns like, you know, and puns, language related humor, word plays, yeah. people, and other, other humor that's not slapstick, but just but physical, uh, not slap. But so, um, for example, um, I got uh, it's, it's, if you've had any acting training as well, it's particularly funny because um, people just can't. It's, it's, remember last week we were discussing stunt casting and how Cuba Gooding Jr. made made an absolute hash of of dropping something. Because the if you drop something, I remember my drama teacher once telling me this. It's such a basic thing. If you drop a pen, you rehearse the scene a certain way, and then you drop a pen, and an inexperienced actor panics. Uh, they, they don't know what to do. Oh my god, I haven't rehearsed this. How, how the pen's on the floor now? Oh no! And a lot of the time, if you go to an amateur a drama society, a lot of the time they just ignore it, and the pen just stays on the ground, and it's really funny. And that's what Keeping and Jean did. Um, but what? Pick it up. What would your character do? He picked the pen up and he put it back on the table. It's not a problem. It's <laughs> fine. And and that's the kind of realize this, this isn't slapstick. But play that goes wrong and the goes wrong stuff really play that stuff up where they've rehearsed they something really a certain do. way and a minor snag happens. 
Not a big deal, just a little snag. <laughs> something isn't where it was meant to be, and they just collapse. And they and the characters, the actors, because these are you know these are really terrible actors from a really terrible drama society in, in, within the fiction, they just keep bumbling through the scene as if the thing that had, the little the tiny thing that's gone wrong has, has not gone wrong. Like, like a ledger. <laughs> like a you say tiny. Sometimes the set falls. Right, that's that, that slapstick. That slapstick. Yes, what yes. I'm saying is like he says, um, he says like so. He says, "Get us a bottle of uh, whiskey," and the guy picks up a full bottle of whiskey. And it was meant the line. The next line was meant to be, uh, he and he's meant to say, oh, "Oh, the bottle's empty." Oh, and he says, "Oh, fetch uh, and oh, fetch the other one in the, from the drawer." But he picks up a bottle that's not empty. Now the thing to do there is just skip. Don't skip, say, don't skip, say it's empty. Don't say it's empty. Bring, bring, bring it and pour and pour it. But instead, he goes, "It's empty," whilst holding a full thing. And then the other actor says, "Oh, well, bring the other one." So what does he do? He empties the bot, the whole whiskey bottle, out onto the floor or somewhere else, and then fetches the other one from the from the, dra- the drawer. Which and is this and this empty. one is empty. So basically, all that happens is the props department mix the two bottles up. Oh That's yeah, because the, pro- the props department, the backstage people also appear. Like yes. in this fictional scenario they created, they also show up on stage because they. Things go wrong and they have to fix them <laughs> as the play is going on, which is hilarious. It's just great. Yeah. Um, so there's slapstick humor. There's there's this physical humor that's not slapstick, such as that. And then there's yeah puns and stuff. People getting lines wrong. They end up in an eternal loop at one point. Yeah. Where the where like six lines of dialogue just go on forever in a circle. I can't also get out of it. I also love how the cha- it's chaotic in the best possible way. And when you get all all the goes wrong. Um, plays that we've seen so the play that goes wrong um magic goes wrong and also peter pan goes wrong uh, which are the ones we've seen on stage all of those uh once you, we always make sure we arrive uh, 15 mm. 20 minutes earlier because the actors will be going in like um, maybe not good ha- tip maybe this will not happen now for a while because of you know coronavirus you know but uh, the, the actors used to just come on stage and talk to you and ask you for tips. I remember last time we saw Peter Pan goes wrong. The uh, director was asking yes. us for tips. Have, if... have you ever done public speaking? Yes. Yeah. Can you help me? Do you yeah. need advice for me? Yeah. <laughs> so he was, he was asking for tips, um, and they ask you to hold. So that there's a big cable that they have to pass to the audience, so they ask the audience to pass the cable through to the back. So it's just very good. Uh, in the play that goes wrong, the dog is missing. There's, there's allegedly a dog, and the dog's Winston. missing. Winston's missing. You get you get hinted. So depending on the time you arrive, you actually get hinted a, a slip of paper saying, "Have you seen this dog?" And there's yeah. like a description <laughs> of Winston. Uh, and the Duran Duran CDs. Uh, there's just so many yeah. little things. I, I, I was I was there once called up to assist with their. Uh, Chris has been on stage. Yeah. Put to put up a prop or something. I won't say the the, the jokes, the gags that happen because it's fun. It's a uh, it'll. Be fun. it'll Spoil some of the fun, <laughs> but then, but you, you, you don't worry. You'll be perfectly safe. Go, if you're asked to help them, go for it. It'll be a lot of fun. You will not be made to look silly. Don't worry. No, and they know they, what to do. I think you kind of have to trust these people that they yeah. know what to do. And they and the jokes want... not, will not be made at your expense. Don't exactly, worry. the jo- jokes not on you. The jokes on them. Yeah. They are they are making a fool of themselves in yeah. the, in the best possible way again. Um. So yeah. I mean, so we mentioned Play Goes Wrong. That was our first show. Peter Pan Goes Wrong was our next show, which we've also seen. Which you briefly mentioned. Same. It's exactly the same idea. It's exactly the same idea. It's just it's things just, going it's wrong. It's the same corny, same drama society messing things up the yeah. next the next thing they put on was the, called the comedy about a bank robbery yes um, and as they always say it's it's a comedy about a bank robbery and that's that's not my yes, joke yes it's that's in the title joke. yeah <laughs> um, it, which no, that's a straight comedy 
yes. it's just a comic it doesn't, performance. The set doesn't fall over. They're not playing the corny uh, drama society characters. No, they're it's just it's just, just a, a comedy. comedy, and it's unbelievably funny. It's possibly so funny. more funny than, than the uh, possibly on paper, possibly like actually more funny than the player goes wrong. Paper goes wrong. This is a big play. I I, I, lo- I love the goes wrong element so much yeah. that it's hard. For, but 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 I think I have to acknowledge just as a comic. Uh, if you were to praise the comic writing, I think the comic of Bad Bank Robbery is stupendous. Oh, it's, it's so clever. It's hilarious. I mean, it's just, we had a good time every time we went to see it. It's now closed in London, but I'm sure Very it'll sadly. tour. And I'm sure it has toured already. It has, yes. My friend saw it in the Gaiety Theatre in Dublin. And he loved it. Well, actually, he'd already seen it with us yes. in London. Uh, and I'm sure that if, if you have the opportunity, every, <laughs> you'll, you'll love it. That's it. Everyone, we, like, we, took, we took to see our friend as I said, to see it. And then, he, then when it came to Dublin, he took his mum and his partner to see it. Yeah. Every, every, we keep every, taking people to it. And, and then they, and they, they, they spread the word. Mischief and I actually think that's how they got so big as well. Not I Yeah, mean, word of mouth, absolutely. Word of mouth is They're just a big really deal. Yeah. Uh, coming back, 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 yeah, back to Bank Robbery was followed with Grown Ups. This was the only kind of... It's a comedy, but it has a more it, it, kind of poignant tone to it. Yeah, it's, it's the only kind of play I've ever had an issue with. Not an issue with, I still enjoyed it. But uh, it's for me, it's definitely their weakest show. And by quite a long way. Um, because yeah, it's it's still it's funny, but it's not nowhere near as funny. Um, but it, it, might it, it, try, it tries it tries it, 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 it tries depends. to have an important message. It tries to have a, 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 it tries to be a, a, you know a drama a tragic tra- tragic comedy essentially. Um, and I just don't think they it was their first attempt at it, and I, and I just don't think they they got it right. I think they just it needs it needs more time in the edit. It needs more editing. They yeah, need, they need more. So. They, the writers needed to have a just to have, just needed longer with it, um, and because I've noticed, for example, the comic about bank robbery had a super dark ending when we first saw it. We saw it one of the first nights ever, um, and they did change it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, 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 I and would, they do change. We have yeah. heard them talk about it, and they do. We know that they do change things as they go along because you know some jokes stop stop working. So and we have of... seen grown ups a couple times, and they haven't changed it as far as I can tell. I just think I just think look, I just it's it's a really hard thing to do to make a tragic comedy, and I they're up till then they'd only made comedies, and mm-hmm. I just think they just need a bit more time in the oven. I think the next time they try with something like that if they, if they, if they do it'll go better mm-hmm. um, but yeah there's because quite a few I think that there's the, you're following children from preschool not children you're following people from preschool up until adulthood. Adult, adulthood and there's an enormous amount of time spent on the preschool which is unnecessary like, it's a whole like 10 minute song like show and tell song which is very funny but adds nothing to the it achieves nothing for the setup for the drama yeah, and I think that's the problem. They were like, they would end up in situations where they were like, "Well, this is one of the funniest bits." But I don't want to get rid of this, but but I'm also trying to tell a serious story, and this very funny bit is not helping the serious story. And I think that's kind of a really good example of where they went wrong with Grown Ups and mm-hmm. why it went wrong, in my opinion. Um, and then so it's then, but by the time the the actual drama starts, we're 20 minutes in already. Yeah. Um, and 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 I therefore just didn't have enough time to to achieve what it, what it needed to achieve. Um. It's a funny show. It's just not up to Mischief's usual standard, in my opinion. And they didn't quite get the marriage of tragedy and comedy correct in a way. I think that they, for me. they will eventually. I think. I think there's the potential there to do it. Yeah. If they if they try to, to I'd do go that back again. and see Grown Ups again. Yeah. If and I, if if they brought it back, and e- even have... in the state it was in, I will still go back and see it again. But I would like to think they'd improve. They try and rewrite a little bit, and improve yes, it a bit. Yes, they probably would. Yeah. And after Grown Ups, so this is uh, Grown Ups started in the Vaudeville because uh, they started a Vaudeville residency. 
Yes. Which was going to last about three a year shows. and a half with three different shows. We actually don't don't I don't know what the third show no, was going Grown to Ups be. Was the first. Grown Ups was the first, and then we had Magic Goes Wrong, which was done in uh, collaboration with the wonderful Penn and Teller. Yes. So so this wasn't the Cornley Polytechnic uh, Grand no, Society. No, that's very true. It was the Goes Wrong format, but it was it was just new characters, new uh, magician characters. Magician, yeah. Yeah, and it and was there's actual brilliant. magic on stage, so they mm-hmm. actually. It go the magic tricks go wrong, but it go wrong magically. So I, I've 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 been a fan of Penn and Teller for a long time. I've seen a lot of their stuff on TV. I've never seen them live, unfortunately. I'm hoping directed by that ASAP. Um, and something I had never realised is a lot of their because because Penn and Teller have always been comic magicians. Mm-hmm. It's always been part of their act, and I'd never really sat down and thought about it. But a lot of their of their magic tricks are about tricks that go wrong. And that's where the comedy comes from. But they go wrong and then they go right, right? And I hadn't, and because I, the first time I, I, I I'm very well versed in Penn and Teller's, um, uh, you know, bit bag of tricks. Um, and and uh, when I saw Magic was wrong the first time, I was actually, I was like, oh my god, it's like one. It's, I, I could identify four tricks I'd literally seen Penn and Teller do verbatim like exactly the same um and i was like oh yeah i never thought about that that trick is literally about a trick that goes wrong um they're the two big two of the two the two biggest the finale of the first act uh, the ma- the biggest trick in the second act um there's also a little one with the blade uh, the uh, this is the only one i'll spoil because the other two are bigger ones i won't but there's one point where the kind of the daredevil character um accidentally stabs his hand his own hand um, but then the card the right card is actually been stabbed through his hand so it's the com- the comedy obviously is that he's stabbed himself but then but then the impressive thing is that actually the is that actually this prop this prop knife and prop hand or however it is that the trick is achieved is is actually has has the correct audience chosen card on it and that's a trick that Pentella literally did once they did a thing where they were trying to stab knife stab stab, stab cards and eventually pen accidentally stabs Teller's hand <laughs> and he goes ah and screams lifts his hand up and there's the yeah. card I think I've seen that you probably have yeah. um because we've been watching all of Fuller's as well, you know, the Penn and Teller show where they, they magicians present X, X Factor for magicians, it's great. X Factor for magicians, that's a good, that, that's it, that it's is what it is, yes. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, so so that's, that is a downside in some ways, that if you know Penn and Teller's tricks, then you've seen a lot of these tricks before. It's still absolutely worth going to see the show, oh, yes. probably still my favourite mischief show. Really, magic. I think so, wow. probably. But it's yeah. it is when and, and there's a lot and don't get me wrong, there are magic tricks that you have not there are new magic tricks that you haven't seen. Uh, and there's other sources of humour not just Oh my goodness. I mean like the mind yeah. mangler, for example, is pure mischief. as far as I can tell, Penn and Teller first of all, Penn and Teller don't do a great deal of mentalism. Second of all, um Penn and Teller, uh, as far as I can tell, had nothing to do with the, the mind mangler bits because it is just a man failing to read minds. I love That's that. All it I, is. I love how uh, mentalism is my least favorite type of magic. Yes. I hate it. Um, I think it's cheap, and I don't like. I feel cheated. You know, like in other it's types never of magic. Very impressive. Also, in other types of magic, I kind of accept that someone is very good at this, like a sleight of hand or something. Mm. They're very good at it. Mentalism. I know that they are tricking me yeah. into saying something that I didn't want to say in the first place, mm. and I don't like that feeling. Sure. Maybe that's just me. That's my control freak side. But um, this is it's it's the best. It to me is the best part mm. of the show. It's just hilarious. Yeah, and it's pure mischief style comic writing as opposed to Penn and Teller, as opposed to magic going wrong. It's literally because for like again. And this is, uh, my, this is uh, he at one point he's like what do you do for a living sir I do and he's the person will say I do I'm a doctor and he goes exactly I knew you're a doctor and that's why I wrote down you work 
indoors. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it's just it's there's just actually, it's just, it's just uh, the, the comedy is just that he's rubbish rather than it's going wrong. Yeah, there's a there's a little skit online I think you can find somewhere of uh, them do, uh, them doing that. Uh, oh, the royal, royal variety. variety. Yes. And Prince Charles is there, and then he turns to Prince Charles and said, "I know what you do. You're a prince." <laughs> <laughs> it's just like yes. Um, of course he is. So Magic Gozerong is actually coming back to the Vaudeville yes. uh, later this year with um, the original cast. So you might you're... remember it made my top five lists of shows I'm looking forward to seeing after the theatre open. Go go back, go back to our first few episodes if you haven't listened to that yet. Because um, we talked about that and Magic Goes Wrong is one of them that's coming back and we are very excited to go back to because we're getting the original cast. And it's always... Uh, don't get me wrong, Mischief uh, are very good at casting people to continue on with their shows when the original cast are not doing it anymore. But it is very much a pleasure kind of to be able to to watch the original people do it. Yeah, this is a point actually I wanted to bring up about Mischief, which is that, yeah, do see the original cast if you can. We've seen the original cast in every show, thankfully. We're very lucky. We, I think we caught the play that goes wrong just as just the original cast changed, were about to leave. Yes. Yeah, uh, we were very lucky. Um We've seen several the, the the Peter Pan goes wrong cast, uh, or the rat last one we saw is the one we also saw most of them in the play that goes wrong at one point. Yes, um, and they're very good, I think, as well. I was the comedy about bank robbery cast for me definitely declined steadily over time. We saw about three casts, maybe four in total. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw it many times, um, and it definitely got did it did diminish in quality. I think there is something about the fact that first of all, three of the writers are in the original cast. Yes, and the people who are the other people who are in the original cast, um, like Charlie um, Russell, Charlie Russell, and Dave Hearn and Bryony Morgan. Corrigan. Corrigan. Yeah. Mar- Morgan. <laughs> David Corrigan. Um, people like that. They're 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 in the kind of the the you know the, in the workshop process. Let's say they are exactly. they are in the, in the, the, exactly. the those roles so, are written for them. Exactly, and they workshop them. So even though they're not writing it, they're helping cr- the creative process. Yeah. So 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 it's essentially a very close knit team who have who have originated these roles, and and originated the performances, and then it's passed on to another to another team, and the other team are. Got, almost always very talented and very funny actors but it, it's just there is that disconnect but I think it, I think that the disconnect is there if you have seen the original cast I think if you haven't seen the original cast you will not notice it I think you will just love it I think you I honestly I think that you'll just think it's brilliant I don't know how one wouldn't like mischief shows I agree um, but it's worth mentioning and I think it's worth therefore recommending if you can get to see an original, an original cast do yes we will definitely definitely be seeing Magic Goes Wrong once it comes back if you see us at the theatre say hello because we want, <laughs> and it's because we want to see that original cast we want to see the original cast exactly yeah. yes but also because we love that show yeah. but um, and I think to kind of sum up because we've been talking about it for quite a while now mm. but uh, to sum this up like they have become so popular and so successful so, so, so successful I said that word very funny uh, they've become so popular and successful that uh, they got their own BBC show it's the mm. goes wrong show so if you're not uh, in London or anywhere where, it, where the plays are being put on at the moment you can definitely find those plays online to watch uh, the, the, the Goes Wrong show online to watch another place sorry but you can definitely find that online and, and also uh, Peter Pan Goes Wrong is available to buy on DVD it is yes and they have the Christmas Carol one as well I can't remember yes Christmas Carol well, Goes I remember wrong. that one we never rewatched that uh, they have and, and they have also they have the new one the latest uh, last Christmas they had a they had a show as well that's technically the first episode of season 2 of the Goes Wrong show yes the Nativity uh, so do 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 go and look for it and and watch it wherever you are in the world because it's definitely worth and also worth the, watching it. The, the play that goes wrong is like has been translated into countless languages. Oh yes, it's on in Russia. It's on in it's on in 
huge. I don't know. It's, it's actually, all over the world. I'm actually really curious because I know that it opened recently in Portugal. <laughs> and I'd love to see it in Portuguese. It's worth, basically, wherever you are live in the world, you probably have a production of The Thing That Goes <laughs> Wrong near, near you. Near you. <laughs> it's not in your country. And most likely in your language. Yeah, so there, so there is one in Portuguese for the uh, Brazilian people out there. It's, it's Portugal, Portuguese, but, you know, similar. It'll work. <laughs> yeah, so uh, let us know if you're a big fan of Mystery Theatre. Have cult like fan like. Oh yeah, we are. N- we are not. We are. We are little fish. I, well, I think of ourselves. We're huge fans, yes, but there but, are people. But with, then, you know, but then we know that people have seen uh, each show twenty times. So like, we are not quite yeah. there yet. We've seen each of them maybe three, four, five times yeah. piece, and we thought we were doing really well. And then we've met people who've been like, "Oh, I've seen it twenty times," and I'm like, "Wow!" <laughs> one year, and then the other year, yeah. I saw another twenty. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, do go to restricted dot on Instagram. Let us know what you think of Mystery Theatre. Do you like them? If you don't like them, I'd be very interested to hear why you don't like them. Yeah, why, um, why are you here? No, I'm sorry, sorry. And, stay um, here, stay here. And, and if, uh, if you've never heard of them before, go check them out and let us know what you thought. So I guess that's all we have for today. Yeah, it was a long one, actually. It was, yeah. I suppose uh, Beckett uh, and Pinter, as, as the conversation ended up being about, is a something I could talk about forever. And thought-provoking. And, and, and discussion-inducing. Uh, and mischief is definitely something we could talk about forever. So I guess it was always going to be a long one. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> thanks for listening to our review and to our gushing about mischief, because that's pretty much what we did. <laughs> uh, and yes, uh, we'll see you next time. Catch you next time, guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>